Hey, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bunch podcast. This is Brendan Sinone, joined today by Chris Nee, Josh Newberg. Hi, fellas. Hi, Brendan. Hi, Brendan. All right, I like the energy so far. We're doing this podcast because FSU just got another commitment. Four in like two weeks. Woo! On the script, it said both of you were supposed to cheer with me. I just <laughs> I hate you. I can't go by the script. Sorry, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited. It's work. It's good. Good for them, but uh, I can't do it. All right. Well, I'll bring the energy. These two will bring the knowledge. Uh, we'll meet somewhere in the middle. All right. How about that? Okay, guys. So FSU. Got a commitment yesterday from Jayon McCluster, four-star. Did I get the name right, Josh? Jayon? Jayon. Yep, that's it. Nailed it. You're living in your own head now with pronunciations. Pronunciations? Pronunciations. <laughs> I don't think he was joking. All right, FSU gets a commitment from a four-star linebacker from Largo. He's down Josh's way. Uh, real quick, that gives FSU 11 commitments in this class. Most of them defense. We'll talk about that. But this is shaping up to be a really solid class here in early May. Josh, I'm going to kick it off to you. What do you think about McCluster? What do you know about him? And how did this whole process work to him to get to the point of of committing? Oh, yeah. He's a kid right down the street from me, about half hour north of uh, where I live in St. Pete. He's from Largo, Florida. Um, J.M. McCluster is a six foot one, 205 pound linebacker. The composite has him as the 10th best inside linebacker and the 317th best player overall. Um, his recruitment went just over a year. He was offered by FSU on April 16th of 2018. McCluster racked up 19 total offers. Um, he narrowed it down to a top three. I'll get to that. But to just to speak on his recruitment before we get into what he brings as a player, he visited FSU on that early February junior day, the one that was right before the 2019 signing day. Um, to me, that was the point FSU took the lead and never looked back. Um, McCluster came up there with him and his brother and his mom and dad. And I spoke to him coming in, um, met him because I remember covering Dexter McCluster, which is his cousin who played for Ole Miss and the Kansas city chiefs. Um, so I went up and spoke to them a little bit and they said they were real excited. He came out and I could just tell, uh, we, we sometimes do these interviews where we can just tell where this one's headed. So that was back on February 2nd. And then McCluster would eventually narrow his schools to a top three that consisted of FSU, Auburn, and Miami. He took a pair of visits to Miami, one to Auburn. Um, I think Miami made things a tad bit interesting, but to me, this was all all FSU dating back to February. I put my crystal ball in for McCluster on February 4th, which was two days after his visit um, for that first junior day. So I think, you know, we stress on how important these visits are. This just goes to show it. Like when you look back at his recruitment, it was the fact that FSU was able to get him in so early and just kind of, they won the recruitment that weekend. And I think the, the, the time that it took to get to now is just him confirming that FSU was the right decision. I don't think he was seriously considering going to either Miami or Auburn. To add a few points to what Josh is talking about, FSU did an excellent job of kind of focusing in on him and locking him up by getting him on campus multiple times, building relationships with him, with the family. They offered his younger brother, Xavion McCluster. Who's a heck of a player. That's not just a throwaway offer right there. He's a heck of a player. He's a 2023 prospect, so he's got a couple more years to go. But he's a guy that FSU and Miami both green-lighted. Obviously, some of that's building relationships, but as Josh mentions, he's worthy of an offer at the same time. I think the other thing to mention with McCluster is that Raymond Woody last week, first week out, what, Thursday went by to see him or Friday somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, and he did the double stop, the the go in and talk to his coach and check up on his grades in the morning and then came back for his practice in the afternoon. So it's clear that he's a guy that FSU kind of circled, went after, wanted to get. This isn't a commitment just to take a commitment. It's a guy they truly wanted that they kind of focused on. He's talking about playing the star position at FSU. When I watched him at Orlando opening regional, I thought he was more of a true inside guy. But if he trims up a little bit and improves his speed a little bit, which would probably come with trimming up a little bit, uh, he can get away with being a star. I don't think he's incapable of being a star. I just viewed him more as a true inside thumper type. He's certainly a thumper. I think that is the first word that comes to mind when you watch him. He He's not an electric athlete. He's not freaky like Keyshawn Green athletically. But he's physical. He plays linebacker like it's supposed to be played, which I think you kind of point out in your scouting report, Brendan. 
Thank you. Thank you for the shout out. Yeah, he looks like an old school linebacker. I, I do know that they view him as a as a star right now, and maybe size wise that makes sense. But uh, his athletic testing, I think maybe it was at the Under Armour where you were, Chris. I think it was like a five three forty that he ran. Uh, ESPN um, has him down. I think in four eight, eight range. So between a four eight and a five three is what we're looking at right now. Which you know, if you hit four eight uh, linebacker, that's fine. I know people will roll their eyes at that, but that's fine for a linebacker position coming into college, as long as you get developed adequately, which we've talked about lately. But he's did com- we <laughs> ad, ad nauseum. Uh, he's comfortable in space, but I to me when I watch the highlights, like he seems like he's at his best inside the tackle box, being physical, taking on blocks. Uh, Josh, you, you, I'll kick this off to you because I know you've seen him more than, than I have uh, in person, certainly. Uh, but he looks like someone who just kind of relishes the physical part of being a linebacker. And I think if you're Florida State, that's encouraging because you really haven't had that consistently in the last few years. Yeah, I went to go see him. Hey, how about that? I went to go see him the day before he commits to Florida State. It's like you knew. Um, but I went to go see him and I learned a lot while I was out there. Um, I, it changed my opinion of him for sure. Um, and also you guys debating the, the 40 numbers, I would take those and throw them in the trash. I mean, if you watch his highlights, it's, it's 90% him playing running back, um, and running away and, and he's plenty fast. I don't think there's any concern outside of the message board about his speed. I've talked to a lot of coaches about him around the country. Not one of them has, has questioned his speed. Um, it's there. I think after seeing him, he McCluster's closer to a safety than he is a middle linebacker. Um, I think he comes in and he plays the star position at FSU. I'm not sure he gives that up. I think if anything, he probably goes from star money to, to Mike, um, maybe eventually down the road. I just don't see him, um, getting that big. I, I, I think he is perfect for the star position. I think that's what the coaches want him to play. And I think that's what he's going to come in and do. Um, Spoke to his offensive coordinator, who I know, Coach Knox, used to be the head coach at Gibbs, is now just is is now the OC at Largo. Um, he told me he would love to see McCluster play safety. Um, I don't think that's an option. You know, I don't think he has that. He's he's not that fast to play it at that that level. But he just loves the the way he comes downhill and, and hits. Um, but Coach Knox told me that he's going to focus McCluster at middle linebacker this year. If you, like I said, if you watch his highlight, it's a lot of running back. He also catches the ball very well. Um, Blocks well, play. too. They'll put him at tight end, too. He, he does so, it yeah, all. So, so this year, he's not going to play running back. He's going to come in and do some wildcat stuff, but he's primarily going to play linebacker for them. And he plays in the middle. Um, the coach, uh, coach told me he's just really smart. He knows all the calls. Um, he's kind of like a head coach out there for them. And thinks that, you know, thinks the world of them. So we've all been out to practices where we've had, we go up to the head coach and, and talk to the coach about a commitment or a recruit. And he barely wants to talk to him, talk about him. You know, he has issues with them or, or he's one of those guys. McCluster is a team guy. He led the stretch. He was vocal throughout, um, got the guys together after each water break. And, uh, you know, he's just, he was everything you want to see out there. It, it's a great pickup for Florida state. As a person who officially loves to turn everybody into a safety, I'm going to go with a hard no on this one. We love to turn cornerbacks into safety. That is true, too. So this is like the uh, version of turning the safety into a linebacker. Like you're still kicking someone down at a level. Yeah, that was his coach suggesting that, you know, he loves him at safety. But, um, yeah, he's a star. I I think he's a star all the way. It's a really nice linebacker group. Yeah, yeah him, Keyshawn Green, Stephen Dix Jr., three guys with very different versatile skill sets, different builds, different ways of playing the game, but all three do their job at that position very well at a high level in different ways. I love the ceiling of Keyshawn Green. I think Keyshawn Green can be really special. Speaking of going to practices, I went to see him earlier this week, and you know, he kind of jumped out at me. But there are three guys that FSU targeted early and often secured i mean dicks committed after the same junior day that josh referenced with regards to mccluster putting fsu in his top group and Keyshawn being a local guy was kind of an easy get but he's still an extremely talented guy who's a national recruit and don't forget about jadarius mcknight who's someone who could possibly be a star yeah, as box well safety yeah. type yeah or, or yeah or more the, the boundary safety but kind of in that hybrid role as well so yeah they've they've done a really nice job of adding eclectic skill sets at linebacker i think because uh, you have the more physical guys uh, they're all they're all physical in their own right but you have those guys like a mccluster or like steven dicks jr who 
have the ability to maybe play inside or outside. And then you have someone like, like a Jarius McKnight or Keyshawn Green who can have a little bit more range and athleticism and, and can also still play physically. Like it's a, it's a nice balanced skill set from where we're looking for rankings be damned. Like it's, it's a good looking group, whether they're three star or four stars. And I think some of those guys are like Keyshawn Green. They're only keep going up in the rankings too. Um, much needed too, right? Like that's that, this has been a position group and we'll get into that later. Uh, we're going to look at, at position groups that FSU still needs to focus on. But in terms of recent years of recruiting, of development, linebackers has been a bugaboo. Like it just hasn't yeah. materialized into something very good for, for a couple of years like now. The 20 class and 19 class combined have kind of rejuvenated that position with some of the guys from prior classes also being in that mix. But yeah, it doesn't feel like a glaring weakness or where they're taking, you know, top of the scrap heap at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, some people may think Kevon Glenn, because that offer didn't come till December last year was that. But to me, Kevon Glenn is perfect for what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And I also really like that kid. and I like his work ethic. I think he's going to be a very good player for FSU. So I would not, you know, drop him down because he wasn't a summer offer type kid. You know, some people may do that. Others certainly won't. Well, while we're here at linebacker, let's focus on what it looks like right now and what they've added in the past two recruiting classes, really the full recruiting classes for Willie Taggart. Well, I think we all agree Jaleel McCray is legit after watching him in the spring, that he was a very, very good football player and certainly has a lot of characteristics of an individual you want leading your defense at that position. He he looked different than what we've seen at the position in recent years. Like he was going, I want to say toe to toe with Dontavious Jackson, but wasn't far behind a senior a solid senior starter. Yeah. He wasn't that far behind him. So with a little bit more time experience and injury luck, like he'll be a multi-year starter for Florida state. So yeah, that's one guy that looks like they, they, they hit. Yeah. I talked about Kevon Glenn already like him a great deal. And then also you got Kalen Deloach and I got great work ethic can do a lot of things. I think Kalen's versatility is the greatest asset of him. He's a guy that I think can play pretty much any spot at linebacker. You want him to play. Mm -hmm. He's physical enough to survive in the middle. He's athletic enough to do stuff in space. He can do everything in between. And then we talked about this 2020 class. So yeah, that looks markedly better. Um, Real quick on the cluster. Josh done a good job detailing his recruitment. I think it's worth noting, like, this is a guy that we all kind of thought FSU was going to pull what, two months ago or so. And Yeah, I, mean, I think that February visit yeah. kind of was a green light where you, you felt like it was theirs to lose, certainly. But I, I want to give the staff credit for the way they played it because we weren't sure they kind of allowed him to go and take other visits. Uh, and he was ready to commit from our understanding. I think that's not talking out of line. Like, we all can confirm that through multiple people that he was ready to commit to Florida State. They wanted him to go ahead, and then if he was going to take other look, you know, look at other places. We're not talking about officials, but just going and seeing other schools. Wait a little bit. I thought at the time, I was like, man, just take the commitment. You're not in a position to do so, to to turn away you know good talent. Um, and this worked out well for them. So patience worked out. I'm playing the results a little bit, but but well, what do you guys think about that? To add, well, to add a little bit of behind the scenes of his recruitment, um, I learned I learned that Miami and Auburn. You know, I know there was a couple times where McCluster looked like he was very close to committing and and we knew we were on like commit watch, like we were just waiting for something to drop and we were gonna run with it. That we had a story a written. We had a commit yeah. story written, right? We had a couple yeah, well this time, but I'm talking about over the No, previously. No, we, Zach we, Zach had a commit oh, story. Oh we did, written. yeah, we did. I think it was back in the I, I wanna say so it was a February visit. It may have been spring. I edited game. I edited it for him. I think we may have had quotes. Yeah, it's probably in the admin somewhere killed. So I've, I learned that, you know, what FSU had to do well, ultimately to gain the commitment was to um, the Jim McCuster's mom was getting worked really hard by Auburn and Miami about just holding off, just hold off. Just why, why are you going to make this commitment now? And, and I think that's why he was close a few times. He backed it off. He took another trip to Miami. But again, I think that they just made things interesting. I don't I don't think that they were really the cause, but I think they were just playing on on his family to, hey, what's the rush? You know, why rush? And I know um, even up until last night or that I'm sorry, two nights before the eve of his commitment, Miami was calling the house and they were trying to get him to hold off. And, you know, after he had sent that text out. So they were working hard to just get him to hold off. They, everybody knew it was FSU. They just wanted him to wait and try to get in there a little bit more. So it just finally came to a head. And I think he, he, what he said in that preview article, recruiting had just become repetitive to him. Like how many more times did he need to go see these schools before pulling the trigger? 
Yeah, and the fact that it was a month removed from his last visit to FSU is a great thing for FSU. It means the emotions of the high of the visit had worn off, that things had kind of soaked in. He was able to evaluate everything. He didn't make it in some emotional state. He made it because he felt like he was done with the process. I'm looking for the story, and they had him in and can't find it. I'm sure it exists somewhere, though, <laughs> out there in the ether. So for FSU now, they have 11 commitments in the class. The class is currently ranked number six in the country. That's up one spot from where they were prior to the commitment of McCluster. They had previously been at six during the week. Their average for the class is still 89.73, which among the top six is the lowest of the six. They trail in this order. Just ahead of them is Florida, who has 10 commitments, 91.32 average. Miami is in fourth with 12 commitments, 90.98 average. And then there's a healthy tier above them. Clemson with 12 at 95.25. Alabama at 2 with 16 at 92.31. LSU at 1 with 14 at 93.84. So you can clearly see that the LSU, who's recruiting kind of out of their mind at the moment, uh, two five-stars in that class, 10 four-stars, 14 total. Them, Alabama, who's always a pace setter, and Clemson, who obviously is going to be there and is about to have a really talented quarterback in a few days. They have two commitments, about to have three that are five stars among their 12, soon to be 13. Those three are kind of separating. Then you have the big three in the state of Florida. But something that Sinone pointed out to me this morning, that's a very fair point, is FSU six. But the concerning thing is that three, four, and five are all opponents of FSU. Rivals. Yeah, so it's not like they're leapfrogging a lot of people. Now, they're still getting good talent. That's not to degrade the class they're putting together. It's a solid class. They've done a good job. They're addressing needs, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But there's clearly work to still be done, and they're just at this point sort of keeping pace with some others. Which I, I think is not a bad place to be given the the season that they had. The fact that they're in striking distance right now means that you're positioning yourself. If you do show quantifiable improvement in 2019 season, like that six ranking is going to stay there and probably move up a little bit too. Yeah, and there's currently some caliber of talent that's sort of off limits to FSU. They're just not in a position to compete for it. I, that, one thing I think is fair when we look at the rankings is it's a good place now, um, but what's the threshold? Like, how high can they get? I think there's a pretty clear ceiling. I think we need to be uh, transparent. I when think we they're talk hanging in that current territory. Right. There's Barring a really positive season that maybe exceeds what the expectations are going in. And I think they're also putting a good baseline, too. Like yes. it's gonna, they're staying probably staying within the 5 to 10 range is what they're – aiming to do as long as they kind of project to be or project as like an eight win team or so yeah, this year mediocrity to better the cl- the class stays together i don't see it as a class that is hinged upon being a 10 11 12 win type team i think it's a lot of guys that truly want to be at fsu that truly believe in the current staff and are willing to give them some of that you know it's going to take time type of you know credit at the door if they need it if things were to go sideways all right. Before we go into a break here for our uh, for advertisers, how's this for a tease? I found the I found the story February February fourth. So it was right after that junior day. Here's the quote that that was given at the time before he held off. Ready? And this is the very end. McCluster says, "This is him saying why he committed and why he was leaning towards this. I'm going to get a running back, Lawrence Tofilly. That's my brother. I'm going to try to get him to come with me." We'll be back after a word from our sponsors, and we'll talk a little bit about the future of FSU recruiting as it pivots to, well, guys like Lawrence Tofilly. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the hyundai you've always wanted visit the hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning hyundai models like the tech-filled tucson and kona as well as the spacious palisade enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with america's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, we're back. Guys, let's talk about, well, Josh, and it's something you and I spoke on the, the phone yesterday. We are talking about story ideas to do. And as we look at this current recruiting class that, that Chris kind of summed up, it's ranked number six nationally. Uh, when you look at the content of it, it's 11 players. Nine of them are on defense. The two on offense are QB Jeff Sims and then offensive lineman Zane Herring. Other than that, not a ton of skill guys. So uh, we teased the break uh, with Lawrence to Philly. I know it's a guy that you've talked to this spring. Uh, what does the recruiting board look like? on offense and just how important is it to start uh, reeling in some of these, these skill players? Uh, I think it's, um, I would say it's important. I don't think it's, we're at a point where it's concerning at all yet. Right. Um, I think that things are flowing nicely. I can't say that um, any board looks barren right now. We all, we've talked so much at length about the running back board. We know Florida state has, you know, four or five very legitimate guys that are very interested and also attainable. Um, those mainly being uh, Jalen Knighton, Keziah Holmes, Joquavius Marks, Lawrence Toa Philly, uh, Corey Wren to a degree. Uh, you know, they're, the, the host of backs that FSU's in on are deep and talented. That's a good thing for FSU because they probably would like to sign three this year. So if we got five or six that we really like, um, hopefully they can lock down two or three of those guys soon. Looks like Jalen Knighton, um, you know, who knows with him, but if they could get him in the boat first, I think everything else after that is just gravy. I think it um, also creates a domino effect. Yeah, absolutely. I think it does. I think we're just still waiting for that one domino to fall. And is that DeMarcus Bowman to Clemson or UF, or is that Jalen Knighton to FSU? Like, I feel like once one of these top backs goes, a bunch are going to follow. It's just funny. Usually when we talk about the domino effect, it's quarterbacks in the summertime, right? It's like one's but one there's a lot of, there's a lot of running backs out there. Right? Well, yeah. I I think think it speaks to the depth probably of this class this year. For and sure. How coming and they for are. FSU, I think they've made it abundantly clear to the backs they're recruiting that we want multiple backs, but at the same time, there's only so many multiple backs they're able to take. <laughs> mm-hmm. So one jumps in, you better start deciding pretty hard, you know, is FSU the place for me? Say you're Keziah Holmes and you're very confident that it's FSU or this one other place. Well, it's not cracking time. You got to start deciding whether or not that's the place you need to end up. So I, I, it can force the hand of a guy who's maybe trying to slow play because the slow play suddenly goes away, away because one is in or two is in. Josh, you said up to three running backs possibly. Yeah, in this I, I think skill set. Sorry to cut you off, Josh. I think skill set wise, they would be willing to take three if they're different types of backs. You can't cut someone off if you never even let them start talking. <laughs> no, I agree. I, you know, I think that I think ideally. If they could get three that they, I don't think they need three in this class. I think it's a year where if you can get three, because it's such a deep year at running back, um, unlike last year, last year was not a good year at running back. So I think when there are good years at running back and you have a stable like this, that's all interested in you, it might be a good time to take the three if you can get the three, but they need two, in my opinion. The other position moving along, cause you know, they have a quarterback commitment. We're not entirely convinced they're really hard and heavy after a second quarterback. Josh just spoke on running backs. So next up to receivers, they've offered 40 plus receivers. When you take actual receivers and athletes in the two, four, seven database, they have offered over 40 and they currently have zero commitment is what recruiting in a spread offense looks like. And I really, I think this is a position that we need to take a look at right both now. Just, we both just cut Chris off. It was like, I t- like, I, I just want to stress. I deserved it. Take I earned it. that Take one. it. They, they need, that's a position where they need to show, a sign of progress because despite offering so many, there's really only a select few that I would say they're hot and heavyweight. Obviously they love Arian Smith. He's got, they've done a very good job with, they're very much in the thick of it with, 
Brian Robinson, they love him. He likes MLI, keeps showing up. But at the end of the day, he's got to tell Miami no to tell FSU yes. That's quite the task for a kid from South Florida. There's obviously guys like Ty Jones, Bell, EJ Williams, some of those elite types. They like a lot, but there's work to be done. Like a guy like EJ Williams, I find it very tough to believe that he's going to skip over two in state schools, Alabama and Auburn, and Clemson to end up this season. Right. Like that. That's the thing. Like he's very good. They're in it. They've made a good impression. Coach Dugans has done a great deal of work there. I think the interest is legitimate. Just at the end of the day, I find it tough to believe that FSU is going to beat beat out those other three as things currently stand. So you know, you go down the group. There's a lot of guys. I know they like Xavier Henderson. Another guy, though, we're not sure how much FSU is truly in it. Michael Redding, a guy that Josh went to see yesterday at IMG. FSU really in it, but he's real serious about engineering program. Well, there's a Pensacola tie with him, and he knows guys like Darius Washington, Keyshawn Helton. You know, FSU has stuff there, but it's not a slam dunk by any stretch. And and I also don't think he's in the same breath as a guy like EJ Williams or some of these top, top tier wide receivers. I mean, I think Michael Redding is a very raw wide receiver with with some upside. Um, But he's not, you know, he's not among that elite group. Yeah, he doesn't have freakish wiggle. He's a very vertical threat who goes up and wins the ball effectively. He does what he does very well, but he's not incredibly well-rounded as compared to some of the elite types at the position in this class. I'd agree with that. I mean, athletically, a guy like Malachi Weidman, who FSU loves, is kind of the one that falls in that. Malachi's very long, very lanky, very athletic, very bouncy. Got a lot of those basketball traits that he takes to the hardwood. They show up as a receiver. But with Malachi, every time we have a conversation with anyone about him, it always comes back to one thing. Academics. Grades. I didn't want to say it, but yeah. yeah. I think but it it's time. Back to academics. I, I, yeah, I think it's time that we uh, kind of, we haven't spoken on this at all, but um, I think there's some very real concerns with, with Malachi Weidman and his grades um, after learning more. Uh, um, I think early in his high school career, he really uh, wasn't on the path let's say to becoming a, a student athlete and I'm not sure how much it's improved since. So he's a, he's a guy with um, some very real red flags that might not make it to campus. And if he's a guy that FSU really wants and he wants to go to FSU, they need him to jump in the boat so they can get involved in that process of getting the academics in order, guide him to ways to do course recovery, guide him to ways to do additional credits, you know, and just make sure you kind of keep somebody on his butt. His mother's very involved. We've met his mom. Very nice lady. She came up and for a visit without him, right? Correct. For, and there's that, others in that picture. That Adrian McPherson, for example, is involved. He's tutoring some kids in that area with football. Mm-hmm. And I know he knows Malachi and he's familiar with him and the family and people that are in Malachi's life. So he's got like it's a weird deal for Malachi to be a kid that we're concerned academically with because one he comes off as fairly intelligent Mm -hmm. he's very good no he comes off as a great he comes off as a great kid with an understanding of things and um, it was a shock for us to keep hearing from other people that his grades are a major concern so after hearing it we're we're tentative on to say anything uh, until we heard it from about three or four different people all associated with different programs and different backgrounds so. He also seems to have a lot of people involved in his life who are involved for the right reasons. So, like, it's just weird that he's in this. But some kids dig themselves a really deep hole yes. early in their high school career, and it's tough to climb out of those holes. Right. You know, you're, you're not thinking when you're a ninth grader, I'm going to play major college ball. So you're not worried about academics. But right. if you bomb your ninth grade year, it catches up with you. I think that's usually what happens in cover, having covered recruiting. You know, about a decade ago, I learned this, and, and you guys obviously know it better than I do. It's usually not the junior or senior season like that that gets the kids. It's always that when you don't have the understanding that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that there's a path to a free college education and maybe then some when you're in ninth grade. And that's kind of when you screw around and you get yourself in a hole and you have to dig yourself out of. Yeah, the bigger issue for junior seniors usually is the standardized test, mm-hmm. which it's a sliding skill. So having a better GPA helps with that. But that's usually the hiccup if, it's a, if a guy's encountering an academic issue late in his high school career. You know, a lot of guys, it's because they, they dug themselves a hole early in their career. There's a lot of guys that end up in JUCO, not because of their 11th or 12th grade year, but because of their ninth grade year. All right. So circling back to wide receivers, uh, you guys mentioned a bunch of names. At running back, we said about three running backs. How many wide receivers do you think they're taking in this class? And this is with the context of they took one wide receiver last year and zero running backs, I right? Think they, they, took, want, they didn't take any wide receivers last year that are going to truly make an impact at Florida State. 
Wow. Josh went there. He oh, told me I he thought gonna, he, told me he was going to go there yesterday. I told him not to. <laughs> he did it anyways. <laughs> I thought we could talk real. I, I like how you guys hung me out. To Can we talk about that too with the Odell comment last uh, last uh, show that went viral? Dude, that was your horse and you wanted to ride it into town. No, I don't no, no, disagree no, with you. No, no, it's no, taken no. away I from just strength, notes. But. Hold on. I just put in the notes like I want to hit on Odell moving territories. And then the way you guys set it up was like, here comes Josh with the hot take. And like, I was like, Chris, this is- in all fairness, Chris set it up that way. I didn't call it a hot take. Well, I know. But, and then you guys, not only the funny part is like the way you guys set it up was like throwing me out on an Island, but we had the conversation before the pod. And like, it was, it wasn't a hot take. Everybody was on board with it. I thought I was just going to take this segment. Little did I know. You guys were hanging me out to dry. I don't. I I resent that. I didn't hang you out to dry. Christopher I'm, did. I'm it, sending you a virtual hug right now because you sound like you need. <laughs> it was Chris that hung you out to dry. I didn't even think it was that bad. I don't think it was a hot take at all. I didn't um, think it was a hot take, but then it got cut up into a well, into I, a tweet or something. I like, did that. That was completely <laughs> synonymous. I'm, I'm innocent. But it, it was, was great. Good I mean, we drove the conversation on Twitter. Everybody was talking about recruiting territories on on Twitter. It was just like from our podcast, this little conversation, it drove like 12 hours of FSU Twitter conversation. So that was pretty cool. When, when Josh thinks something is interesting, I usually tend to listen to it because most of the time he doesn't say something's interesting. He's just kind of out there in a cloud, literally and physically. For a passionate man, he lacks passion. Correct. So when he's, when he had something he wanted to talk about, I was like, all right, we'll give him a platform. That's what this whole, this whole, well, this not be self. uh, Well, I think the podcast is a great place to discuss like the small nuances of recruiting, the intricacies of territories like that. And um, it's all of the understanding that like, just because we're discussing it and maybe disagreeing with it or scratching our head with it, these are just intricacies. Like FSU recruiting is not going to stop. This isn't um, moving. Odell isn't going to be the the death blow of the 2020 class. We're just talking about this. Just gives us a platform to talk about these little things. Right. That's the podcast is meant to delve into minutia. We've spent upwards of 30 minutes talking about the wide receiver and running back board and a linebacker commitment. I mean, it's early May, so we're. You guys are listening because you like the minutia. Uh, the Odell comment was a two-minute conversation, or maybe a little bit more than that, but like in the 45-minute podcast. Like it was just a fraction of it. Why'd you throw him under the bus, though, Chris? I just I felt like it, man. <laughs> so, sometimes I like to see Josh have to fight himself out. Chris, more. Chris is like a sneaky, maniacal. Like he, Josh, I don't know if you know this. He's calling him maniacal? Yeah, he downvoted me for like two months. He downvoted everything I did because I and was getting I too high. You. Yeah, but I asked I you like five times. About it, I asked you I like you. <laughs> I asked you five times. So I go, who's downvoting me? And you're just there. Yeah, that's right. You sip your coffee. <laughs> well, I, I want to talk about um, what I find interesting about wide receiver recruiting. I think that we're. I think wide receiver recruiting is is a little bit more critical than than even we give it credit for because critical. if you think about what happens this year, if things go as planned. Let's say things do go as planned, and FSU's offense looks like an offense. Tamari and Terry and DJ Matthews are, are most likely gone. I would agree that at least one of those two, let's say one of those two safely goes. Terry's a top 25 ACC NFL draft prospect on sports. I think that's, we all know DJ's getting out of here as soon as DJ can get himself out of here. Yeah. DJ though has some, he's just not a big kid. I'm saying if DJ has a decent year, if he puts up some numbers and has like a breakout year, DJ's gone. Like there, there's no hesitation there. Um, so that being said, FSU did not take an impact wide receiver last year. Doesn't have a, a true impact guy on the board that are in the boat yet. And some of the guys that we feel FSU is in good shape about, we have question marks on those guys. So I, I just think that this year is a year where FSU needs to restock that talent. I'm not saying there's none left. I mean, we like Warren Thompson. We like young, we like Trayshawn Harrison. We like some of these guys, I like this is helping. But after not signing a guy last year, this is the class that needs to kind of like be there with the cavalry coming in behind. Some of it is they they took what five or six wide receivers in, in Willie's first class, right? Yeah, um, the, right. the young Harrison Helton, that whole group. We yes. like but, these guys. But, sorry, but I was gonna say, well, like with well, one thing we criticized the previous staff for was the offensive line recruiting and how much it fluctuated year to year, and it would force you to where like it became a, a priority. And if you missed on those guys, like you did in that 2016 class, I think it is, it creates a huge gap of talent. Wide receivers a little different because you can find impact players more readily available, at, uh, you know, at that level. Plus, they usually can contribute a little quicker. That's what in I mean. Timeline. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is you can find a guy easier. It's easier to identify. It's easier to get him on the field. But with that in mind, you don't want to be going 
five in one class, one, or in Josh's case, none in, in a class and then have to go five again. You don't want that kind of discrepancy. I think from either that's not, that's not sustainable. So yeah, wide receivers seems like it's important. Um, and to, to answer the question before you called me maniacal, I think they want at least four. I think they want a true outside guy, a versatile outside guy, a talented slot, and then your next best type. Josh, I have the feeling that me calling Chris maniacal is going to be like the time you called him OCD, and it's going to be something that just sticks with him and eats at him slowly but surely for Once years. Once in a blue moon, I do something. I'm like, you guys are right. I'm okay. <laughs> well, I thought it was hilarious that like Chris doesn't know that he's clinically diagnosed with OCD. Like, he should be clinically diagnosed. I thought that was just a given. I, I know that's. I, I felt bad for out. saying it because I didn't think that it was something that would hurt your feelings. One of us has to be organized. <laughs> that's true. Yes, there's no doubt about it. I'd rather have it be the OCD guy. You would think that <laughs> Josh and I have different levels of anxiety, but you think that would manifest itself in being organized? But that's not. <laughs> no. That's not the case. All right, so we have an adult. All right, Chris, you had mentioned, and this is going to transition as much as we can, given how clunky the last five minutes have been. But and then relax. All right, I'm calming down. <laughs> with the position groups and we talk about wide receiver and running back this may end up being redundant but chris you presented a good question because we're looking at the recruiting class of 2020 right now for florida state as is comprised i've already mentioned the numbers 11 guys it's about halfway filled up and it's almost all almost all defensive guys other than one offensive lineman and one quarterback uh, both good ones that, that we all like i guess uh, chris i will throw it to you here What's your question? And I, I think it was a good one. Well, it's not what positions concerns you the most, because I think for all of us, offensive line is probably the safe version line. of that answer. It's more what position do we need to see progress at from a recruiting standpoint? And for me, it's receiver, and we kind of hit on it. It's clearly a position of need, a position of want. You don't offer 40 guys at one spot and not you know, want numbers at that spot. They need some results there. I'm just in watching it kind of develop a guy like Bryce Gowdy's recruiting himself to FSU more than I think FSU is truthfully recruiting him to FSU. A guy like EJ Williams, FSU loves, but like I said, I think it's a long shot. And now there's some in the middle, you know, if they hit on Malachi Weidman, uh, Robinson, Brian Robinson, and then a really talented slot, say maybe Ja'Kai Douglas or somebody of that sort, none of this matters. And I'm not saying they're not going to, I think they're going to have success at the position. Arian Smith. The thing is, it's just they've yet to have any results there. And it's a position that they've invested a lot of time in. And while Dugans is fairly new to FSU, some of the relationships at that position have kind of been with multiple coaches. Arian Smith, Odell, DK, now Dugans. You know, Brian Robinson, FSU was involved with. And obviously, Dugans knows a great deal from Miami. He recruited him to commit to Miami. So, you know, it's just a position where they need to... They need that first domino to fall. Like, I feel like at running back, they're in a really good position to land multiple backs. At receiver, I feel like they're involved with a heck of a lot, and they've put themselves in position with several, but I don't know how I feel about them being in a really good position to land multiple top-level targets at a position. Is domino to fall your cliche of the day? I don't think it's a domino at receiver because there's so many damn receivers, and they're targeting so many. It is at running back. It's a Mm -hmm. domino at running back will happen because there's a select few they truly want. I think that group all understands the others in that group. I receive so many bodies. It's not. It's just they need they need to start happening. They need a positive gain so they know, oh, we got one of the big outside guys we want. We can be, you know, trying to get this guy that we're in a good spot with and trying to get this guy who's a long shot. But if we don't get them, we're not burned because we already have a bird in hand. I think it's more of that sort. And I'm thinking that camp season is going to be big for wide receiver. Probably to identify a few more guys. But I think, you know, I'm not like you said, not, not to be concerned about. I, I do think wide receiver is going to at least get some clarity within the next. What are we looking at? June? Is that when the first? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I also big one at end of July. I also think we're going to fall in love with some wide receivers this summer. That's what um, I mean. That's I have no like new names. Like, you yeah. know, there's going to be some new names. I have no, I'm not like to back up with what Chris said and kind of to tie a bow on this segment. So it doesn't come off as like, I'm just being a hater with this group. I, I trust Ron Dugans. I think DK did a great job before. Like Chris said, there's plenty of offers out there. Um, I think we're going to fall in love with some new guys this summer, but I just can't, um, reiterate kind of how important this wide receiver class is to get to get quality guys because if you bring in four guys five guys it's another crowded wide receiver room and it makes it harder next year to land elite guys so we got to get guys in here that can play 
Yeah, and they have capable recruiters handling that position. Dugans is very good at what he does, and DK set it up very well for him. It's not a matter of, like, I'm worried because I don't think they can execute it. It's more a matter of there just needs to be some results. And I think they're I think they are of that opinion, too, that there's work being invested, and they'd like to see some returns on that. All right, so for you, Josh, what's the position group that you're kind of curious to see materialize and think, you know, again, how Chris phrased it, not necessarily concerned about, but you need to start seeing some some traction there to kind of complement what they already have on board uh, defensive end. And that's probably more of a, uh, I might be entering concern zone rather, rather than just interest at defensive end. Um, Want to see who they get back on campus this summer. Can they get back in with Will Anderson? Uh, does chance Williams uh, come back to campus? And is that truly a package deal with those two? Can they land them both? Um, Defensive end has a whole lot of intrigue for me because they need pass rushers. And I think we're going to probably see that exacerbated this fall because <laughs> I think we're going to be, I think the concern might be even ratcheted up even more that FSU brings in an elite pass rusher. And I just don't know where that's coming from right now. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd love to get Willie Anderson. I, I think the world of Willie Anderson his he's now a four star. He's ranked 91 in the country five as position. He wasn't always that way. I've loved that kid since the first time I watched his film in December. And for people who criticize the staff for not being great evaluators, I would point to that as a sign that they know what they're looking yeah, at. They I don't think anybody's bashing the staff for being bad evaluators. Uh, I've had conversations with knowledgeable people who have bashed them for mm. it, but I don't think they want their name out there. So. Delete their phone numbers. Then they're not good friends. All right. Cause they are good evaluators. Yeah. I think, <laughs> management of some recruiting can certainly be talked about uh, fairly, but as far as knowing what they're looking for, I think they're usually pretty damn good with that. Yeah. But yeah, for me, Will Anderson, he's a Georgia boy. He got a commitment from one of his teammates. who's a very good friend. Like he's a guy that like, I just, I would love to see FSU make some legitimate movement with him. Cause like a guy like Reggie Grimes probably isn't happening. You know, I, I don't mind Chris Jones. I don't mind uh, Elijah Roberts, but they don't set my world on fire for me. Chance Williams, Willie Anderson, that, that's a hell of a group with Griffiths as the third. I agree. Josh kind of stole my thunder. My, I thought my position group was going to be kind of like. There's not many. Brother. I thought you were I going mean, special. I thought you were going to Bob special. The Bob Ferrante special, no. I was, I was going to say defensive tackle. Uh, so you it's kind can. of. I, I'm going to because I don't know what else to pick at this point. <laughs> but, uh, but if you think about it, that's a position group that hasn't really – they haven't secured an impact player, Robert Cooper in the first class. But last year, you know, I'm not sure you have true Thompson, who I think we think is going to be solid. But I'm not sure if he's going to be more than just a really good run stuffer. Uh, maybe he will be, but I think we all like true and think he has a pretty high, high floor. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, who else did they bring in last year? And it depends on what they're doing with their, their schemes, but uh, you know, I'm not sold that they have another, there's not another, another Marvin Wilson lined up there. They don't have that next guy. And you look at the line of defensive tackles they had in recent years. I mean, you're starting back with like Timmy Jernigan and Eddie Goldman and Derek Naughty and now Marvin Wilson. I'm not sure. Maybe Robert Cooper's that next one, but I don't know who's next in line behind him. I don't know if they got that one who's going to be a true impact potential like early draft pick. I've been told Coop's doing really good with losing weight. By the good, way. and if he does, that's going to be scary. But then who's next after Coop? I mean, he's going no, to be I, I agree with you. I, I think it's a position where it's important for them to get that surefire, no doubt, right. massive impact interior guy, a McKinley Jackson, a Jalen Carter. Those Timothy are the two Smith. names that they're in on. Yeah, but. Timothy Smith is on one. Okay. And they really like Manny Rogers, who's kind of an under-the-radar kid. Um, Emmanuel Rogers from Jensen Beach. I believe he goes by Manny. But he's another guy. And then Eric Taylor, Alabama kid. That's a tough pull because both in states want him. But he likes Odell. He's been there. He spent multiple days there. So they have a few targets there. But it's clear to me that one, two is McKinley and Jalen. Mm-hmm. And I think that would, you know, as much as this defensive class is materializing into something that looks pretty darn solid, I think you need that to kind of wrap a bow on it. Josh, the defensive end, pass Wait. rusher. I think you need to fix the front of the line still. I think you feel important. confident Odell can pull that off. I mean, history yeah. says he will. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I I do. I do. But I mean, we want to see it still. So right. that's what the whole point of this conversation is. Yeah. If there's one person I think can can go ahead and get you a blue chip guy against anyone. It's going to be Odell on that staff. Him recruiting his position group. He's as good as anyone. But I want to see it. So 
All right. Is that everything for the recruiting podcast? Take a deep breath. It's funny we didn't talk about offensive line and that I'm I'm happy we didn't because I think we all are in agreement that that's a massive need and an important position for FSU. It's just humorous to me. But I think it's good because we highlighted other spots that you can't have a fall off because then you'll be in the pickle you are with offensive line currently. Right. And with the offensive line, I think part of it is what well, we said. We can't talk about it as, as part of that was. That was part of the the dialogue. Was that wasn't going to be part of the conversation? We set parameters, correct? But they actually have, I think, a pretty clear path to some some guys right now. Um, Richie was like Richie Leonard. Yeah, over in Coco is one guy that we feel like they're probably going to get eventually. Isaiah Walker's a guy they're in heavily That's with. Javion Cohen plans to come in for a visit. Thomas Schrader they're pretty involved with. Um, Jalen is obviously part of that package deal over there. There's work to be done there, but they're involved. Joshua Jones, Kobe Baines, Gerald Mency. Who's the kid that was here in the for the spring game that, that we saw walking across the parking lot or across the highway? Tate Johnson. Yeah, Tate, Tate Johnson. Johnson's an Owen that's very much in the mix. So, yeah, they, they've they spread a wide net there. They've invested a lot of time. They've got a lot of those guys on campus. But, it, it, obviously, it's massive importance, especially finally getting a tackle you can build the offensive line around. It's amazing how long FSU has gone without a legitimate great left tackle. I mean, Roger Johnson, who had his shortcomings on the field, is the last prototypical offensive tackle FSU had. Correct? Am I incorrect on that? Yeah, and he's as far also, as someone, yeah. but he was also a big time recruit. I mean, Rod Johnson was what a top ten tackle in the country. Was he top five? Was he? He was a high, he was a high four star. One point? Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, he was a borderline five star. But and I think he. It, at certain points throughout his recruitment, he was a five star, but you know, the, those, the last impact tackle, like Chris said, was also one of the last big time recruiting, uh, successes at offensive tackle as well. And they have guys they like on the offensive line. That I think could develop into that, but, but there's not a sure thing right now. I think as you like Jalen Goss could be a really good left tackle, but he still needs to put on a lot of weight. They like Darius Washington coming in, but I don't know if he's a tackle or left side, right tackle, they move him into guard. Um, who's the kid from St. Louis? That's probably more of a guard or right. Ira Henry. Ira Henry. And he's someone who maybe could be a, a right tackle, but again, I'm not sure if he's a prototypical blindside protector. Yeah. I don't that, know. I don't know if that's, that's something that they still have to secure in this class to feel stable with. In the receiver com- conversation, we spoke about camp and how new names might emerge with offensive line. When they have that big man camp and the, you know, O-line and D-line coaches are able to get nitty gritty, hot and heavy with those guys. They tend to find a guy or two. They really, really like who kind of, Usually it will be a back-end part of their class, but it helps to fill it in. So I think that is certainly a possibility that Randy Clements has seen a guy or two during the spring eval period or on video that he wants to kind of be hands-on with before he greenlights. But, you know, Christian Meadows is a kid that came to camp at FSU, and they loved, and they took a commitment largely off his camp performance. And there's other offensive linemen that have been here in 30 years that are very much based off of their camp performance. So that's a position where that certainly can happen. Big man camp is... I want to say the second weekend in June. So, you know, that's a time where we might see a little movement with some of the names on the board beyond the guys we already kind of project to be high possibilities end up at FSU. All right. I think this was everything that we wanted to go over. We threw Josh under the bus. We threw Chris under the bus. I got I I'm under under the bus. You were maniacal. It's going to stick. <laughs> it is. The OCD in you is going to not let it go. You should see him, Josh. He's like scratching his face right now. It's, I, mm. I see anxiety. As someone who's very anxious, I know it when I see it. And he's flicking me what off. do you see now? <laughs> <laughs> a little birdie. Hey, All right. Who wants to take my first show? What? When do I get to take my first show? Oh, we want to do a. Um, we talked about doing like a uh, a big one roll up with just Josh, like once a week to do like a like a Q and A interview session with someone, like for our podcast. You know, the pod, the podcast that he's technically paid to do. I'm not technically paid at all to do this. I mean, it's content created creation. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no response. Uh, That's beautiful. Uh, all right. Who wants, hey, how, how, real quick. Okay. How was Gene on? I don't want to plug the big three. I mean, we much, might as well. We plug yeah, it every damn week. Plug it. Oh, Gene was, was Gene? Gene was awesome, man. It was so crazy to be interviewing Gene Deckeroff. Um, he was on the big three roll yesterday. It's out now on iTunes, SoundCloud. But like. When you were a kid, remember when you first realized kind of like what football was? I kind of realized that because of Gene. I remember walking out in my dad's garage and hearing Gene on the radio, and I was like five or six years old, and his voice meant to me, oh, it's football season. 
So it was always like listening to Gene and probably John Madden were the two people when I was really young, wherever I'd hear their voice, I would know like, oh, it's football season. Um, so I got to listen to Gene with the Bucks and the Knowles growing up. So it was crazy having him on. Um, he told some great stories about the Bobby Bowden show, about um, how he got involved with FSU from the beginning. Cause you know, he, he's a Florida grad. So I never knew the story yeah. of like, how he actually got hooked up with FSU and when it was and all that. So we talked about, we talked more about maybe Gene than we talked about FSU, but it was still a, a really cool chance to have him speak. Did he talk about the old school interviews with Burt Reynolds? Yes. Um, oh, I love those. About, yeah. You want he, to talk about childhood memories. That's among those for me. Yeah. He talked about how um, Burt used to come on the Bobby Bowden show and like how that came about and how Bobby was he didn't Gene didn't really say Bobby had the foresight, but like Bobby was more than willing to do this show. At one point, Gene said, well, I got the job with the Bucks, so we might have to tape at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. before my flight out to, you know, wherever I'm going. And Bobby was just like, well, let's tape it then, <laughs> you know. And so I think but if you remember back when we were young watching the Bobby Bowden show on TV, there was no other real coaches like doing it like Bobby was doing it and being as open and as candid as he was. So it was awesome. Um, we also asked him who he would take in crunch time. Would it be Charlie Ward or Jameis Winston? And he answered it. We asked him a couple of those type questions. So it's pretty he's cool. He's going to tease and you'll have to listen to find out. You know, when, when Josh talks about the big three roll up, I feel like the I feel like the married partner was just kind of like, you know, been together for a long time. It's kind of boring. And he's just like throwing the hot new play toy even though that's been around a little bit longer but he's the fun cool thing like in front of my face and i don't i don't yeah because like i want to i just want to do things outside of like wh what i've been doing for 12 13 years so like if i have a show on here where i can um i tried I that wanna, with my wife she wasn't about it <laughs> yeah i even want to like i want to do a one-on interview but i even want to like sit down with each of you one time and like interview each of you but I know like I could have Benji Brown on, I could have Snoop Minnis on, I could have, um, I talked to Lamar Thomas, former Kane wide receiver on the phone yesterday. Um, he would come on the show. Uh, he knows Willie Taggart. He coached with Willie Taggart at Western Kentucky. So I think having Lamar Thomas on would be awesome um, to sit down and do a one-on-one -on -one with. But there's so many guys I could have on the show and we would put it all in those 24-7. So um, I'm excited about all that. Well, that that is a, we're going to try to do a lot of cool stuff with the podcast over the summer, we're going to kind of, this is going to be a few months of us being able to play around with an experiment with, with different uh, formats. And one of those, I think is using Josh's interview skills and his Rolodex to, to provide some really cool interviews and content. Hey, Chris, me, hey, you, Josh, me, you and fish do a podcast on here. And just oh, like man. that, I've been pushed out of that. That, that thing's going to be explicit as hell. Hold on, hold I on. Made, <laughs> did you see when Barkley and Shaq almost got into it on Inside the NBA a couple yeah, nights ago? That would be me and Fish. And I love true. Fish. Charles knows I love that man. But we, we'd probably come to blows at some point during that pod. Yeah, me, you, and Fish would be a great one. Having Larry Bluestein on here, like we could do all this stuff. So now that we have a pod that's up and running and that we're committed to, like, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. All right. And with that in mind, and since you got to plug your other side podcast, Josh, how about you, uh, you finish us off here by plugging the Knowles 24 seven podcast, tell people what to do and, uh, and sign off. All right. You guys are listening to on the bench powered by Knowles. Oh, I called it the wrong name. <laughs> What's it called? I called it the Knowles 24 seven podcast. I knew I was going to do that. You interrupted on the bench. <laughs> I called it the right thing. All right. All right, Brendan, let well, the adult talk. Yeah, you guys, thank you for listening to the On the Bench podcast. Please go to SoundCloud, iTunes, rate us five stars, subscribe, get the podcast as soon as it drops. For Brendan Sinone, Chris Nee, I'm Josh Newberg. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Someone finally stuck the landing. Stick in the landing.